Oh, hello. Hello. And Merry Christmas. <gasps> Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas. Welcome to our special Christmas episode. <gasps> it's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's the week before <laughs> jingle, Christmas. Jingle, jangle, jingle, jangle, jingle, jangle, jingle, jingle, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the, you, know, you don't know that version? Of, uh, no. You're just, you're just saying things. Well, all right. It's, um, it is a full week before Christmas. From this release date, yep. we know that next Monday is Christmas, and there'll be no new episode because no new episode. you guys aren't going to listen to it. And that's yeah. okay; it's Christmas. Don't listen to our podcast; like do other things. Yes. Yeah. Um. So we're off. Plum for, pudding. We're off for Christmas. Uh, we are back January first. January the first. So we'll have a new episode on January first, a New Year's themed episode. Um. So we'll be back that week. If you don't listen to it on January first, you'll listen to January second. What we do? But we know that Christmas week, you take yeah. for you. Eat some plum pudding. Have dreams of dancing sugar plums. <laughs> Etc. Etc. Um, some fun stuff happening on the pod. Um, we've been listening to a lot of your feedback in terms of you know what we do on the show. And come the new year, we're going to start implementing a few more um, road trip episodes every few months. So like sprinkled in with our regular episodes of New York based stuff. We're also have an opportunity to have some road trip stuff here and there. And then April, we're doing the super mega deluxe road trip month. Yes. We're covering April's a long month. We're covering five really awesome dope um stuff that's happened out of new york but really cool things famous things some little less famous stuff uh, maybe one that's international Ooh. um so a lot of cool stuff so, so you know we're list- we're trying to diversify as we continue season three uh you know we listen we, we put a poll out for our listeners back uh after season two ended and a lot of you said that you wanted to hear a lot more um road trippy things because there's you know we're running out of aliens in New York, but we don't think yep. that that should mean that you should not get alien stories. You need your aliens. So we will be coming back in the new year with some more alien stories. Um, you know, there'll be some more weird uh, cryptid stories. And so, yeah. So we'll always still focus on New York. New York is always our home. It's always our focus. But every now and then, if you see, you know, um, a story that doesn't play, could take place in New York, that's because we're listening to you. We want to provide you with some more uh, uh, stories that are, are even more diverse than the ones that we've been doing over the last um, two and a half years. So it's crazy, two and a half years. Wow. I mean, almost two and a half years, I guess, right? What? July, July, August, September, October, November. Yeah, two and a half years. Two and a half years. Two and a half years. That's crazy. You guys, you've been doing this two and a half years with you. Yeah, so there's, you know, there's a lot of cool New York stories left, but, you know, I think there's a lot of, like, weird stuff happening. Um, So I think we're going to, a lot of these stories will probably take place um, in the tri-state area at first. Yep. Um, and then we'll start now. Bridge and tunnel. Bridge and tunnel, bridge and tunnel story. We will have a really fun thing we're going to do in, in, in another, and I think believe next season or the next two seasons. We've been planning. Christine and I have been sitting down, planning out because you know we've we're, we're hit season three, so we've already started developing plans from now until season six. Wild. If, if we're being honest with you, like literally, we sat down today for a good old podcast business meeting, and I was like, "This is what I think we should do." And Christina's like, "I also think we should do this." And so we have ideas for season four, season five, and season six. So we hope to continue this journey with you, and we can only continue this journey. Segue. How can they, con- how can they continue this journey, Adam? The only way we do it is by following and liking and sharing and doing all those amazing things. Yeah. 
And but you know what? I'm wrong. I said the only way. There's so many ways you can mm. do it. You can follow the show. You can share the show. You can tell your friends and family about the show. If you like, you can leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, or Audible. Or you can even hit us up in an even deeper way by throwing us a little bit of money every month. Heading over to New York Mystery Machines pa- Patreon. That's Patreon.com/slash/NYMysteryMachine. For as little as three dollars a month, you can support the pod by giving a little bit of your monies. Uh, for $5 a month, you get a bonus uh, patron exclusive every month. So this week's patron exclusive is going to be off the walls, wonky crazy. So Amazing. It's cookie crazy, y'all. So lots of cool stuff happening in the new year. 2024 is going to be another big year for the New York Mystery Machine. Well, we're, we're, we're so excited. We'll have a new t-shirt company in 2024. Uh, but for now, you can head over to belowthecollar.com slash NYMysteryMachine for your t-shirt needs. Um, gosh, am I missing anything? I don't think so. I covered a lot in a you short did. time. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Let's get to the Christmas it's stuff. Christmas over again. <laughs> okay. Well, it twas the week before Christmas ah. and all through the studio. Mm. Christina was nervous for Adam's next audio. Um, that's all I got from that. I, I was only able to work on one oh, line of but you know. That was solid. That was great. That was that was great. That was wonderful. Today the subject of our story. As I winked earlier to the fact that we're going to take some some forays outside of New York in the new year, the, the subject of our story actually is outside of New York, but can be anywhere. What? Today, we talk about the legend of Krampus. <gasps> That's right, you guys. We're talking about bad Santa, naughty Santa, <laughs> evil Santa, all the Santa's weird brother counterparts that are terrible, terrible. So we're going to be chatting about Krampus, and then later on, a few other Krampus-esque um, creatures. Are we going to cramp their style? I'm leaving all that silence. I know. I know you are. It's important that I leave it for you. Sophie Claire Holler of Insider.com wrote the following in 2016. Quote, I have a vivid memory of my friend hanging off a door horizontally her nails digging into the wooden frame as a giant fur-covered beast with demonic red eyes and giant fangs pulled her into the cold December night. A few feet away, a girl was sobbing while a horned monster whipped her with branches. Kids everywhere were screaming and crying, desperately seeking safety. We were eight years old, and the whole thing was arranged by our parents. That's a hell of an opener. Krampus was there to determine whether the kids had been naughty or nice. But in this case, being naughty had severe consequences. Hmm. A run-in with the demon. That's horrible. First off, Sophie. What? Your parents did this? That is. Is this your story? (laughs) Because I didn't get a single. I looked on this article three times and nowhere does it say I read the story. I heard the story. So for it sounds like Sophie's parents terrorized their kids. How many? Wow. All right. So, how you feeling, Sophie? How you? How are you doing? After, how are you what doing? Is this, what is it? How does this make you feel? I mean, I, this. I. I think this is more something for a therapist to kind of like work through. Yeah. Because Lord knows, I. I hope she has. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that day in therapy when Sophie's like, "Well, like, so, so, what do you think this? You know, this, this, this angst comes from and being always so good to people. I don't know." Oh, my parents did one time like <laughs> pretend there was a dark, a red-eyed, fur-coated demon coming to steal me away because I didn't wasn't really good for Christmas. Mm-hmm. That could be it. <laughs> and we begin, and we <laughs> begin. I know. I'm. I'm. It's incredible. 
Um, I so, didn't know about Krampus until I think The Office. I didn't know that this was like Krampus was on The Office. A different person oh. on The Office. We're gonna talk about him later. Don't oh, you okay. worry. A cousin of Krampus. Um, but yeah, Krampus is. I didn't know that Krampus existed until I worked in Santaland uh, in Macy's Santaland. Yes, I was. And you had to know Krampus. No, but people asked about Krampus. Oh. Um, for those who don't know, I love Christmas so much. Um, and a lot of that love of Christmas comes out of the fact that for about four years, I spent the the winter holiday as an elf working for Santa Claus. You know what I love? Tell me. I love that that didn't make you hate the holiday. Oh, no, I still love it. I, I love, it I love so that it, it enhanced your experience, whereas I feel like many people might want to commit murder. I mean, yeah. Murder it's crazy. Afterwards. Like, it's a crazy experience. But I, yeah, it was really a that. really fun time. Um, and here's the thing. Talking about Santa Claus, Santa himself is actually more New York than we even know. Hmm. And this will lead us into a large conversation that we're not going to actually have today because we're going to have this conversation probably next year because Christine and I also have an amazing series that we're we're putting out next year. And literally 365 days from now, we're going to be doing another short series, um, more details to follow. But we'll talk about all about Santa in New York during that series. But Santa has a lot of roots in New York, where how he looks, uh, where he comes from and all that jazz. But again, today we're not talking about Santa. We're talking about the Krampus, his evil counterpart, Krampus. So what we need to discuss is how the fuck this monster was created. (laughs) And is he real? Is Krampus actually real? Do we think he might be real? Well, let's talk about it. Krampus is said to be half man, half goat, and comes around every year to chase naughty children and maybe even drag them to hell. God. God. So he's Pan. He's he's the god Pan. Go on. Yeah, he's supposed to be like the the, the son of hell, H-E-L, um, God of the Norse underworld. Oh, okay. That's I mean, there's so many different traditions of Krampus. He has thick fur, sharp horns, cloven hooves, fangs, and a long pointy tongue. He usually wears loud bells and chains, and which they thrash around for effect. And he carries a whip or birch branches to beat kids with. Oh, good. <laughs> you love you you love a, a a demon who plans ahead. Yeah, he's like, oh, gosh, what's what I need? Um, I want people to know I'm coming. Bells. So probably should put some bells on. And if the bells don't do, the chains will probably mm-hmm, do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but God. what are you going to do if you got to beat someone up? Oh, gosh. I guess hmm, maybe a whip. But the whip mm. seems. It's played out. Maybe I'll do some birch branches. Oh, I got some of those. Who's this? I don't know. Krampus is like <laughs> supplier. <laughs> He goes to, like, Krampus, like, walked up to a store, and he was like, hello, I want to terrify the kids this year. Yeah, what kind of terrifying are we talking? I want to come into the store and make them slang and make them, I want to come into their houses and make them so sad for being so naughty this year. Do you have things for me? (laughs) Best voice ever. <laughs> Christina can't stop laughing. Just wasn't expecting this. What should I use? <laughs> I guess I can use some sticks or something. <laughs> I don't know what the accent is. I'm just trying to place honest. it. I'm not I don't lost. know I what don't it know is. Either. It's certainly not Germanic at all. No, no, I'm not really, not really sure. Maybe a weep. <laughs> What? Nab, the whip is. Oh, God. 
I'm sure that won't be the last time I use that Krampus voice today. <laughs> so Krampusnacht, or Krampus night, is an ancient Austrian tradition that is also celebrated in Germany, Hungary, Slovenia, and the Czech Republic. In some traditions, Santa, or St. Nicholas, St. Nicholas, comes around with his devils, or the Krampuses in tow. Now, Krampus's name is derived from the German word Krampen, meaning claw, and is said to be the son of hell in Norse mythology. As I said earlier, referencing this thing I'll say now. The legendary beast also shares characteristics with other scary demonic creatures in Greek mythology, including satyrs and fauns. Things that maybe we'll talk about in the future. There you go. The legend is part of a centuries-old Christmas tradition in Germany, where Christmas celebrations begin in early December. Krampus was created to counterpart Saint Nick, who rewarded children with sweets. Krampus, in contrast, would swat wicked kids, stuff them in a sack, and take them away to his lair. This is horrific. Come into my sack, little oh, kid. No. We go to my lair in hell. It's like vaguely French. It may be. That's the voice. I'm not going back on it. Is no, the thing. no, 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 I, no. It no, is. We have decided it. This is what Krampus sounds like. That is what Krampus sounds like for all eternity. <laughs> it's Christmas, y'all. And his supplier is from Queens. His <laughs> supplier's this young girl from Queens. Just like, no, not even young girl. This like this this like forty year old spinster from yes, Queens. Yes, hundred Who runs the shop of like random things? Yes, like birch branches. Like birch branches and whips. Yeah. And chains and bells. And bells. As one needs the, all the things you need in Queens. All the needs of Krampus <laughs> According to folklore, Krampus shows up in towns the night of December 5th, known as Krampus oh. Noct or Krampus Night. The next day is December Sa- 6th. Say Nick's Day. Which is a Nicholas Dog yeah. or St. Nicholas Day. When the children look out their door to see if the shoe or boot they left out uh, over the night contains presents for good behavior or a rod for bad behavior. So. In this telling, the night before that, those kids were, won't even be there because they're all in the lair. The bad kids don't get anything because they're, they're, they've just been taken away. Or maybe there's like levels of it. Maybe it's like you get a, a, a whip or a switch or you get taken to the lair. Right. The rod is a warning. Be taken to the lair as well. There's no hope for you. <laughs> it's too late now. You're just a dumb Ooh. kid. You're a dick of a kid. And you deserve this. You deserve this. Oh, God. Come to my lair. In addition to the goat features and the sticks he carries to beat children, <laughs> um, images of Krampus often show him with broken chains around his feet. Now these change, these chains do are said to make the loud sound to let people know that he's coming. In addition yep. to the bells, they as they drag and chains are actually quite famous in terms of Christmas time lore. If you familiar, Marley. yeah, Jacob Marley had his chains in uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, um, bound by these chains. Um, it is said that the chains may symbolizing the binding of demons by the Christian Church. Okay, Krampus thrashes his chains at children, showing them that no chains can bind him. No chains bind me, for I am the Krampus. Krampus. I didn't expect the Krampus voice today. I didn't. I, I saw it. No one ever. Ex- it's like this magic was no one expects the Krampus voice. I didn't expect it. But now that it's here, we will get a few messages from probably the four people who I know will message me about this. Um, yeah. Being like, I'm why? naming them in my head. Yeah. Like, I think 
Sam yep. and Christian. Yep. I think our patron Chrissy. Yep. Who always writes when we do something ridiculous. Um, and then sometimes like a random person will come right, through. Right. Those are the four. Those are the four. And then oh Christina sometimes. Yeah. Yep. 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 Kosha comes through with uh that was crazy. Yeah. Anywho. Sorry everyone. Should we apologize in advance to Sam? No, actually no. No. I stand okay. by this accent. <laughs> I think it's good. All right, Sam. I tried. I should have done Krampus like Nando the Relentless, and then she would have really approved. <laughs> The chains also fit with the yin and yang relationship between St. Nicholas and Krampus. St. Nicholas represents the church and everything holy, while Krampus is his demonic counterpart. The chains are a visual reminder that Christianity has the power to hold back demons, or the power to let them roam free. Mm. Which here's the thing, you know what, you guys? That's not far from the truth. How many people in the church? Lend, lend the demons out. Yeah. Lend them demons out. Hey. Social social right now um now kids could be pretty fast right so i'm betting christina you're wondering if i'm a kid i'll just fucking run away just run away from the krampus will that keep them safe no no that won't keep them safe because when they do run krampus's tongue rolls out of his mouth oh, no. and grows massive in size before catching the child binding them and throwing them into his bag what the hell the actual hell oh krampus what are you doing bud this, this is somewhere between horrific and like a looney tunes cartoon yeah it's like right in the middle <laughs> you don't know which one it is. i don't know which one it is i don't even want to make a krampus joke because i don't even know what to say about the tongue no no so i won't i won't do the krampus impression in this moment children might have also seen krampus running through the street during Kramp krampus loaf literally a krampus run if Krampus knocked was a way to scare kids into behaving themselves, the Krampus loft, which isn't tied to a specific day, was a way for grown men to blow off steam, which probably, while probably still scaring kids. Oh, see, I thought it was going to be like a way for them to get in shape to run away from Krampus fast enough, which I think would be very funny. Austrian men would get drunk and run through the streets dressed as a fearsome creature. Like Krampus knocked, the Krampus loft tradition continues even to this day. This sounds like SantaCon. We're going to talk about that later. Oh, no! <laughs> Krampus is so insanely scary that he was actually banned a few times. Alternatively, by the Catholic Church and by the Aust Austrian government. Wow. And later during World War II for being allegedly a product of social Democrats. <laughs> you know those social Democrats? They're like, if you don't do the right thing, we're going to send the Krampus, Krampus after you. Not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Now, it is widely suggested that Krampus is the stuff of legend and lore. But, but is what if I told you that maybe he's real? I hate that. And if not the Krampus, at least a creature who may bear his resemblance. And Krampus? And this creature resides in the USA. In May 1970, no one saw this coming. No. No one saw this coming. And this is why you tune into the New York Mystery Machine Kids. For the curveball. Christina's face was like, whoa. <laughs> I thought this was just folklore stuff and no real. Here is some history. In May of 1971, University of Maryland student George Lazama completed an undergraduate folklore project on the Goat Man that was later added to the Maryland Folklore Archives. In Lazama's papers, the Goat Man was said to be located on Tucker Road in Clinton, Maryland. 
Later the same year, reporter Karen Hostler discovered Lazama's project in the Maryland Folklore Archives and reported it and reported on it in the Prince George County News, October 1971. This time, placing the goat mare near Fletchertown Road in Bowie, Maryland. Additionally, this report covered the theory that the goatman's origins can be traced to the Beltsville Agricultural Research Center. Now, the Waterford Sheepman was also a mysterious beast seen in the 1970s and was a gigantic creature about seven foot tall with horns. It resembled that of a goat. It lurked in the farm fields, stalking unwary animals and occasionally humans. The Sheepman resembled a giant humanoid goat or sheep yet was said to be linked with the goat man. It terrorized Waterford, it terrorized the Waterford town in Pennsylvania and thus was possibly an early incarnation of the goat man. One witness said she saw the sheep man running across an open field late at night when she got back home. Now, the goat man stories originated in the early 1970s, but some of its legends are actually set in the 1930s within Wilkerson County. Following the disappearances and or deaths of multiple dogs, uh, which were later attributed to the creature, despite evidence to the contrary, stories of Goatman's existence continue to circulate, especially among local students. Graffiti reading, quote, Goatman was here, was not uncommon, and law enforcement would habitually receive calls and reported sightings, a bit with a number of them being pranks, hmm. but a number of them actually being real. Hmm. The creature was commonly claimed to have a human face, but with the body covered in hair. However, descriptions differed on whether Goatman greatly resembled a hairy humanoid or a human with the lower portion of a goat, similar to the fawns of Greek mythology. Did he wear pants? No, they fucking pants, pants probably. All right. Him and Bigfoot. I was going to say, if he's not wearing pants, then I can't say that I can't take him serious. I can't, I can't take him seriously. He's not Bigfoot, and I can't take him seriously. Goatman was rumored to reside in a makeshift shelter in the wooden region of northeastern Wilkerson County near the abandoned trailer parks. Occasionally, it was rumored that Goatman would venture out to kill any living thing, such as animals and humans. According to some variations of the legend, Goatman is said to have once been a scientist who worked in the Beltsville Agricultural Research Center. In this version of the tale, an experiment on goats backfires and the scientist mutates into half-man half-goat creature who begins aggressively attacking cars in the vicinity of Beltsville, Maryland. Another variation of the legend holds that Goatman himself was an old hermit who lived in the woods and often could be seen walking alone at night along Futterson Road. According to the University of Maryland folklorist Barry Pearson, the Goatman legend began, quote, long, long, long ago and was further popularized in 1971 when the death of the dog was blamed on the Goatman by local residents. Person, Pearson relates that, quote, bored teenagers keep the Goatman legend alive by repeating the story and suggesting that the creature attacks couples, frequenting local lovers' lane, subsequently stirring interest in sites like Fletcher Town. Good Lord. Goatman, man. I had no idea about this very weird niche. Yeah, because we never Americana. leave New York. And sometimes we have to leave New York to, to find New York the Goatman. To find the Krampus's origins. The Pope Lick Monster... What? I'll say it again. The Pope Lick Monster. What? Was seen during 2012 and was seen by numerous people of the town it inhabits under the abandoned bridge and abandoned trestle. The Pope Lick Monster has very similar origins to the goat man and was even said to be a goat farmer who sold his soul to Satan in exchange for immortality or dark magic. 
This adds to the Goatman's supposed supernatural abilities, such as voice mimicry. Pope? Pope Lick Monster? Pope Lick Monster. Is the town Pope Lick? Or is it Pope the Pope? Yes. First name Lick, last name Monster. That's the name, yeah. It's Pope space Lick space Monster. Three different words. Pope Lick Monster. I don't know. Can you name them? <laughs> okay, I'm just just processing here. Staring That's at me like I named this thing. <laughs> now, various people in 2015 said that they had photographic evidence of the Goatman, which has sparked a new hunt for the creature. This is the most recent sighting of such a creature to date. Wow. So, is there a connection? The, similar, the images don't look too dissimilar. Right. I'll share a few. Uh, in any case... Um, it's both goat-like creatures with perhaps horns, hooves, claws. Running after your children. Running after kids. Could Krampus be Licking. real? And could he be in the United States of America? Cousin of the Jersey Devil. Cousin Honestly, of the Jersey Devil. Honestly, sounds a little Jersey devil to me. It does sound a little Jersey devil too. Are they all just related? Krampus, Jersey Devil, Goatman. Poplic Monster. Poplic Monster. <laughs> can't. In any case, traditions of Krampusnacht continue to this day. However, much like the dreaded SantaCon in New York, Ugh. the men in this part of Eastern Europe dress up as Krampus and get wildly drunk. So not only are they scary looking, but they're also wasted. I will never forget. This is going to be the second time this in like the last few episodes that I mentioned uh, Pat Kiernan. But remember Pat Kiernan of New York One once getting so angry because... Um, SantaCon came to his area. There is nothing worse than SantaCon, folks. There's nothing worse than SantaCon. And I stand by this. And if you are one of those people who love SantaCon and go to SantaCon and you're listening, you're, you're like, wrong. hey, this is wonderful. How dare they? And you leave. I'm sorry. I you're don't wrong. I don't mourn you're leaving us because SantaCon is truly terrible. Santa is a is a is a is a is a person of of love and giving and to bastardize him into a drunken mess on a random Saturday in New York is terrible. I will say that my joy is documenting increasingly dire Santa spottings insofar as like the where the Santa Claus hats get left. Yeah. Yeah. Over the course of the day. Okay. So we're going to take a break. And then when we get back, I'm going to take us through a few more weird Santa counterparts. Because if you thought <laughs> Krampus was the only weird thing of a Santa-like tradition, you are I'm so wrong. wrong and incorrect. Um, so we're going to talk all about more of Santa's counterparts as our Christmas special continues. The New York Mystery Machine is brought to you in part by listeners like you. That's right. Head on over to our Patreon, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep the pod growing. By joining, you can access a whole bunch of cool stuff, such as mini-episodes, swag, exclusive playlists, and more. Head to www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine to find out more and become a patron. That's www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine and join our ever-growing community today.
back. We're back. Merry Christmas, y'all. We're talking about the Krampus. We're talking about the Goat Man. We're talking about the Pope Licker. Pope Lick Monster. <laughs> um, but we're also talking about other weird, weird alternative stances that the world has produced. So let's dive in. And now, if you're a fan of The Office, that's right. We are talking about Belschnickel. Belschnickel. That's the name. The yes, Bell the Belschnickel. Now, is Bel- the Belschnickel a real thing? Not made up by Dwight Schrute, really? Oh, it's a real thing. Not made up by Dwight Schrute, really. Good Lord. Real thing. Belschnickel is a crotchety, fur-clad Christmas gift bringer figure in the folklore of the Palatinate region of southwest Germany, along with Rhine, the Saarland, and the Odenwald area of Waden-Württemberg. Huh. My uh, my husband's got uh, ancestry in the Saarland. That makes sense. I see. Be- you see resemblances I, between Ed Harley and Belschnickel. The, <laughs> the figure is also preserved in Pennsylvania Dutch communities and Brazilian German communities as well. Ah, eventually hike up by y'all to catch the minka funga. It's a blue Pennsylvania Dutch that means how do you do? Can you catch flies? And it, then the response is yes. If I stand still. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Go on. Belschnickel <laughs> is related to other companions of St. Nicholas in the folklore of German-speaking Europe. He may have been based on the older German myth. Uh, he may have been based on an olden German myth, Necht Ruprecht, which we'll talk a little bit later about. Um, but unlike those figures, Belschnickel does not accompany St. Nicholas, but instead visits alone and combines the threatening and benign aspects, which uh, in other traditions are divided between St. Nicholas and the companion figure. See, very German, very efficient is what I'm hearing. Yeah. So, for example, we spoke just about Krampus. Right. So in that Austrian tradition, Santa's the good guy, uh, Krampus is the bad guy. Good right. cop, bad cop. However, Belschnickel is, is, is all of it. Um, Belschnickel is a man wearing furs and often and sometimes a mask with a long tongue, not unlike Krampus. He is typically very ragged and disheveled. He wears torn, tattered, dirty clothes, and he carries a switch in his hand in which to beat naughty children with. But also a pocket full of cakes, candies, and nuts for good children. A first-hand 19th century account of the Belschnickel tradition in Allegheny County, Maryland, can be found in Brown's Miscellaneous Writings, a collection of essays by Jacob Brown. Writing of a period around 1830, Brown says, quote, We did not hear of Santa Claus. Instead, the tradition called for a visit by a different character altogether. He was known as Chris Kinkle, Belschnick, Belschnickel, and sometimes as the Christmas woman. Hmm. Okay. Children then not only saw the mysterious person, but felt him or rather his stripes upon their backs with his switch. Mm -mm -mm. The annual visitor would make his appearance some hours after dark, Thoroughly disguised, especially the face, which would sometimes be covered with a hideously ugly fizz. Generally worn, generally wore a female garb, hence named Christmas woman. Sometimes it would be a veritable woman, but with masculine force and action. He or she, he or she would also be equipped with an ample sack about the shoulders filled with cakes, nuts and fruits and long hazel switch, which was supposed to have some kind of charm in it as well as a sting. One hand would scatter the goodies upon the floor, and then the scramble would begin by the delighted children, and the other hand would ply the switch upon the backs of the excited youngsters, who would not show a wince, but had been parental, but had, 
But had it been parental discipline, there would have been screams to reach a long distance. Mm. So apparently he'd hit the good kids with the switch, but they, they'd be charmed by it. It wouldn't hurt them. <laughs> okay. The bad kids got the, got the All right, Belschnickel. Good Lord. I'm trying to think of a Belschnickel accent. Well, it's got to be sort of like... I'm the Belschnickel. Yeah, it's like the Krampus, but... It's okay. I'm the Belschnickel sometimes. Sometimes you get a good whip. And sometimes you get the bad whip. Are you a good whip or a bad whip? We will see the bell schnickel. Impish or admirable. What was that last word? Impish or admirable. Admirable. <laughs> I can't say it in German. Impish or admirable. <laughs> when people immigrated to Pennsylvania, they brought their German traditions with them. Belschnickel was known in Pennsylvania as early as the 1800s. Among the Pennsylvania Germans, Belschnickel is a character who visits the home prior to Christmas to check up on the behavior of the children. Traditional Belschnickel shows up at houses one to two weeks before Christmas in, Pen- in the Dutch Pennsylvanian counties. He often creates a fright because he always knew exactly which of the children misbehaved. He would rap on the door or window with his stick and off. And often the children would have to answer a question for him or sing some type of song. In exchange, he would toss candies onto the floor. If the children jump too quick for the treats, they may end up getting struck with the Belschnickel switch. Good this Lord. is terrible. This is so terrible. I need this to ask terrible. Ed if his Pennsylvania German side... Hello, little children. Here are some of the candies. Oh, you went too fast. Oh, you went too fast for the candies. Here's my switch. Here's the New York Mystery Machine. We do not endorse don't uh, hitting hit your, your child. Kids. Don't hit your kids. Even if you are dressed up as Belschnickel. Don't hit your kids. Just don't do it. Belschnickel, don't hit your kids. Or anyone's kids, really. Yeah, don't, don't, don't hit, hit other people's kid. kids. Don't hit a stranger's don't kid. Hit kids. Don't hit kids. An 1853 article in a British magazine describing Pennsylvanian customs refers to Belschnickel or Nicholas with fur, alluding to this dress of skins in which is said to be clad. Some make Belschnickel identical with Kringle. With Chris Kringle. Chris Kringle? Chris Kinkle. Chris Kinkle, which is Chris Kringle. Okay. Um, but more general opinion is that they are two personages, one the rewarder of good and one the punisher of bad. According to the article, Pelschnickel merely leaves a birch rod in stockings of the naughty children. So in that 1853 ah. British magazine, it's a little different than the traditions that are brought over. They use... Those birch. Like that's all you get. You just get the birch. Yeah. That's a lot nicer and explains why he used to return to his supplier every year to get more birch whips. Hello, I'm the Belschnickel. I need some more birch sticks. Oh, no, yeah, we're all loud. Your, your cousin the Krampus just bought it all. Oh, no, not the Krampus. Mean old Krampus taking kids into a stock into his lair. I hate the Krampus. Merry Christmas, guys, for accents. Merry Christmas for accents. These are the two versions of Belschnickel, the rural and the urban characters, both described in the book Christmas in Pennsylvania, a folk cultural study by Alfred L. Shoemaker and Don Yoder. The tradition fell into decline toward the end of the 19th century, but has seen a revival in recent years. The tradition of Belschnickel was brought to Indiana by immigrants uh, from the Palatinate. His garb could vary from one locality to another. He might wear a long black or brown coat or robe held together at the waist with a rope, a fur cap or bearskin hat decorated with bells. In this branch of the tradition, the father or the other male relative or the other older male relative was often busy working outside or had been in some matter elsewhere in the house when the bell schnickel arrived. Bell schnicking or 
Klausentreiben was the running of groups of young men, yeah. young men or youth dressed in false faces and fantastic costumes on Belschnickel night, the eve of the Feast of St. Nicholas. So much like um, the Krampus nicked, the idea right. of um, coming the night before and, you know, running around in crazy costumes. Whips. Uh, it was the occasion, it was the eve of the Feast of St. Nicholas, and was the occasion of good-natured boisterousness. Young men dressed in skins and furs and would move through the streets or town or village rattling chains and bells. As you mentioned, in Dwight Christmas on The mm. Office Season 9, uh, Dwight Schrute dresses as the Belschnickel and spends a significant portion of the episode deciding if his co-workers were impish or admirable at the company Christmas party. One of my favorite episodes. One of my favorite Christmas episodes it of any television terrific show. Terrific guest. Now I know what you're saying. This was, this Belschnickel guy, he doesn't sound strange enough. Well, worry not. I got you with more strange shit. What? Because now we're going to take a trip to Iceland. Yeah, I can see how this is about to get weirder. Iceland has come through with a doozy of strange Christmas traditions. Icelandic Christmas folklore depicts mountain-dwelling characters and monsters who come to town during Christmas. The stories are directed at children and are used to scare them into good behavior. The folklore includes both mischievous pranksters who leave gifts during the night and monsters who eat disobedient children. The figures are depicted as living together as family in a cave and include, please, I cannot, you got, Icelandic is a really, it's hard language, so I'm going to butcher all of it. I'm so sorry to our Icelandic listeners. Can't even wait. Grilla, an ogress with an appetite for flesh of mischievous children, whom she cooks in a large pot. Her husband, Lepoloi, is a lazy and mostly stays home in, his, in their cave. The Yule Cat hmm. is a huge, vicious cat who lurks about the snowy countryside during Christmas time and eats people who have not received any new clothes to wear before Christmas Eve. Oh, wow. That is specific. If you didn't get your new Christmas clothes, you're going to get eaten by the, by Yule, the Yule Cat. the Yule Cat. And finally, the Yule Lads. I've heard about the they are the sons of Grilla and uh, Lepenlui. They are a group of 13 mischievous pranksters who steal from or harass a population and all have descriptive names that convey their favorite way of harassing people. Oh my gosh. They come to town one by one during the last 13 nights before Yule. They'll leave small gifts and shoes that children have placed in the window, but if the child has been disobedient, they instead leave a rotten potato in the shoe. Mm. These Christmas-related folktales first appeared in the thir- in the 17th century. The first mention of the Yule Lads can be found in 17th century poem of Grilla. Grilla appeared in the older tales as a troll, but has not been linked but had not been linked to Christmas before. She was described as being a hideous being and a mother of the gigantic Yule Lads, a menace to children. Early on, the number and depiction of Yule Lads varied greatly depending on location. They were used to frighten children into good behavior, similar to the Boogeyman. Mm. The King of Denmark objected to their use as a disciplinary tool. In the 18th century, a poem of thir- a poem mentions 13 of them. In the mid-19th century, author Jan Amundsen drew inspiration from the Brothers Grimm and began collecting folktales. His 1862 collection is the first to mention the names of the Yule Lads. This is like the opposite of Snow White Seven Dwarves. Basically. Pokey and stabby. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay. In 1932, the poem Yule Lads was published as part of the popular poetry book Christmas is Coming, Yolum Coma, by Atlantic poet Johannes Jörg 
The poem was popular and establishes what is now considered the, cano the canonical 13 Yule Lads, their names and personalities. Gira was first mentioned in the 13th century texts, such as Islanga Saga, Severa Saga, but is not explicitly mentioned, connected with Christmas until the 17th century. She is enormous and appears to be repulsive. Current-day Grilla can detect children who are misbehaving year-round. She comes from the mountains during Christmas time to search nearby towns for her meal. She leaves her caves, hunts for children, and carries them home in her giant sack. She devours the children as her favorite snack. Her favorite dish is a stew of naughty kids, for which she has an insatiable appetite. According to legend, there is never a shortage for food for Grilla. Now, Christina. Yes. And everybody. I bet you want to know the names of the Yule Lads. I really, really, really do. Now, first and foremost, remember, one comes every single night, 13 nights before Christmas. Right. Second of all, I will read their name in Icelandic mm -hmm. poorly. <laughs> I do apologize. And then I, I will say what it roughly translates into, which mm -hmm. is what they are known for and what they do. Great. Here are the 13 Yule Lads. Stekjarstar which roughly translates to sheep coat clod. He harasses your sheep, but is impaired by his stiff peg legs. <laughs> Giliagar, Gulligok. He hides in gullies, waiting for an opportunity to sneak into co-washed, seek, seek into the cow shed and steal milk. Hmm. So he's going to steal your milk. Mm -hmm. Stufer, stubby. He is abnormally short. He steals pans to eat the crust left on them. Oh. P oh, gosh. Pavorsleeker, known as spoon licker. He steals and licks wooden spoons. <laughs> he is hey, these are kind of cute so far. He's extremely thin due to malnutrition. Oh, no. <laughs> spoon licker. Pan licker should give him some of the little burnt ends from the pan. Well, don't worry, because we also have potashkafil, pot scraper. Hmm. He steals leftovers from the pots. Mm hmm then there's Oscar bowl liquor. He hides under beds, waiting for someone to put down their Oscar, a type of bowl with a lid used instead of dishes, which he then steals and licks. I'm uh, really noticing a pattern here. It's just all licked shit. Yeah. We're just licking some shit. Yeah. Huroskler, <laughs> door slammer. Oh. He likes to slam doors, especially during the night, waking people up. Skyrgamer, Skyrgobbler. He has an affinity for Skyr, which is similar to yogurt. Oh, uh-huh. Bugunakadkir, sausage swiper. <laughs> he hides in the rafters and snatches sausages that are being smoked. Swiper, no sausage swiping. Glugengagir. Can you say that one again? Glugengagir. Can you say it for the people in the back? Glugengagir. Go on. Window peeper. Ooh. A snoop who looks through the windows in search of things to steal. Wow. Gata peffer. Doorway sniffer. <laughs> has an abnormally large nose and an acute sense of smell, which he uses to locate leaf bread. What is leaf bread? Ketkutkor. Meat hook. He uses a hook to steal meat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And finally, Kurtasnikatur. Kotas. Kurtasnikur. Candle stealer. He follows children in order to steal their candles, which were once made of tallow and thus edible. So here's a bunch of kids who like eating eat shit eat and stealing shit. You know, there's something kind of lovable about this. Yeah. In a way that I wasn't expecting. 
This is kind of lovable. Weird. Mi- Very weird. Weird vagrants. Extremely weird. But lovably weird. <laughs> okay, we got a few more, you guys. Not oh We're going to leave Iceland. Okay. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, Germany brings us the Necht Ruprecht. Uh, while he's not as spine-chillingly fearsome as Krampus, mm. Necht Ruprecht is completely opposite of, of St. Nicholas. And he leaves us wondering why Sansa could have such a seriously dark counterpart. <laughs> First appearing in written sources in the 17th century as a figure in Nuremberg Christmas uh, procession, Necht Ruprecht wears a black or ro- black or brown robe with a pointed hood and carries a long staff and bag of ashes. Mm. His attitude towards kids is also tough. According to tradition, Necht Ruprecht asks children whether they can pray. If they can, they receive apples, nuts, and gingerbread. If they cannot, Mm-mm. he hits the children with his bag of ashes. Yep. Other versions of the story has him giving naughty children gifts such as lumps of coal, sticks and stones, or even a switch in which shoes for their parents to hit, even a switch in their shoes for parents to hit them with. Wow. He's also said to be spotted on the night of December 5th, which is also right. Krampus's night, which is also the Belschnickel night. It's all the nights before St. Nicholas right. Day. Uh, you might see him and try to avoid him. <laughs> um, fun fact, in the German version of the TV show The Simpsons, the family dog is named Necht Ruprecht instead of Santa's little helper. <laughs> and finally, Christina, one that I know is near and dear to your heart. Because how can we talk about the people who, who give gifts who aren't Santa Claus and not mention our favorite old witch, <gasps> La Befana! I was waiting for this. In Italian folklore, La Befana is an old woman or witch who delivers gifts to children throughout Italy on Epiphany Eve, the night of January 5th, in a similar way to Santa Claus or the three Magi Kings. A popular belief is that her name derives from the Feast of the Epiphany. In Italian, that would be Festa della Pifana. Uh, La Befana visits all the children of Italy on the eve of the Feast of the Epiphany to feel their socks and candy and presents if they are good, or lumps of coal or dark candy if they are bad. In many poor parts of Italy, and in the particular rural Sicily, a stick in a stocking was placed instead of coal. Hmm. Being a good housekeeper, many say she will sweep the floor before she leaves. Hmm. To some, the sweeping means sweeping away the problems of the new year. The child's family typically leaves a small glass of wine and a plate of a few morsels of food, often regional or locale, for the Befana. I really think we should bring La Befana back full throttle I mean, for the Italian Americans. I mean, come on. I think for all people, really. For all people, really. She is usually portrayed as a hag riding a broomstick through the air, mm-hmm. wearing a black shawl, and is covered in soot because she enters the children's houses through the chimney. She's often smiling and carries a bag or hamper filled with candy, gifts, or both. The full Christian legend was that the Bafana was approached by the biblical Magi, also known as the Three Kings or Wise Men, a few days before the birth of the infant Jesus. Because you know they went through Italy. Right. <laughs> they got a little turned around. Where are we? Ayo! Ayo! They asked for directions to where the Son of God was, mm-hmm. and they had seen the star in the sky, but she did not know. She provided them with shelter for the night as she was considered the best housekeeper in the village with the most pleasant home. The Magi sweeping, that's why. The Magi invited her to join them on his journey to find the baby, but she declined, stating she was too busy with her housework. Later, La Bafana had a change of heart and tried to search out the astrologers and Jesus. That night, she was not able to find them. So to this day, La Bafana is searching for the little baby. She leaves all the good children toys and candy uh, or fruit while the bad children get coal or dark candy, onions, garlic, or sticks. I 
don't know. I kind of love garlic and I love dark chocolate. So another Christian legend takes it a slightly darker tone for La Bufana. Oh, okay. They say that she was an ordinary woman with a child whom she greatly loved. However, her child died and her resulting grief maddened her. Upon hearing the news of Jesus being born, she set out to see him delusional that she, that Jesus was in fact her son. Oh, dear. She eventually met Jesus and presented him with gifts to make him happy. The infant Jesus was delighted and he gave La Bafana a gift in return. She would be the mother of every child in Italy. Oh. Popular tradition tells that if Bafana spots someone that sees her, they will receive a playful thump on the shoulder with her broomstick <laughs> as she doesn't wish to be seen. This aspect of the tradition may be designed to keep children in their beds. Mm -hmm. There mm -hmm. are poems about Bafana which are slightly different versions throughout Italy. Here are two of them. Christina, oh. would you like to read an Italian poem? Oh, boy. <clears throat> La Befana vien di notte, con le scarpe tutte rotte, col vestito alla romana. Viva, viva La Befana! How exciting. And that translates into the Befana comes at night with her shoes all tattered and torn. She comes dressed in the Roman way. Long live the Befana. And another version is... Viene, viene la Befana, vien dai monti a notte fonda. Come è stanca, la circonda neve e gelo e tramontana. Viene, viene, viene la Befana. Befana. <laughs> the English translation is, here comes, here comes the Befana. She comes from the mountains in the deep of night. Look how tired she is. <laughs> All wrapped up in snow and frost and in the north wind. Here comes, here comes the Befana. Love it. And those are our weird alternative stances for the year. I, my there are warm. more. I'm sure. So maybe next year part we'll be back with some more for part year. two. Uh, I am charmed and warmed by ending on Lebafana. Of course. So, you know, Krampus may be real. Lebafana may be real. Who Le knows? Real. All these may be real. Who knows? But we did find some Goatman stuff in here, too. So a lot what of Goatman stuff. What a, what a twist in this and pod. Pope Lick Monster. And you know what those Yuletide lads were doing? Licking stuff. They already have it, kids. Well, you guys, we're wishing you the happiest of holidays. Happy Merry Christmas. Holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Whenever you celebrate, Happy New Year. Um, we are so grateful for all of our listeners, new and old alike. Um, we're, we're so grateful that you spend these these years with us. And we're so excited to head into 2024 with some new episodes, some new stories, some new adventures. Um, we had a really phenomenal 2023 on the pod. And we're excited to carry on for 2024. 2024. All right, y'all. I've been Adam Mace. I've been Christina Marinelli. And thank you ever so much for taking this Christmas ride on the New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall, but for ghosts. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do the, the, the Krampus voice. It's not working. Adam, please. D Tammany Hall for the ghosts. <laughs>